What do rose quartz, jasper, calcite, and green aventurine have in common? Yes, they're all crystals, but they are all a part of Claire's crystal shop. I am so excited to be partnering with my friend Claire to shine a light on her gorgeous crystals. Claire founded her crystal shop after her own healing experience with crystals, and now she offers hundreds of them for purchase. If you've ever thought of buying a crystal like Amazonite for increased clarity or fluorite to lessen anxiety, Claire has got you covered. Along with crystals, Claire offers ritual kits, tarot cards, candles, and tons of information on her Instagram on which crystals might be the best for you. I personally have had the best experience with Claire's shop and recently have had an incredible experience with a green aventurine crystal. Literally, you guys, the second I held this crystal, I got goosebumps and I felt pulsing down my arm. And I'm a skeptic about these things sometimes. It was absolutely wild. Every time I hold this crystal now, I get the chills. So check this out. For my listeners, Claire is offering a free self-love ritual kit with the purchase of $15 or more when you type in Growing Woman in the notes section at checkout. Just use that note section at checkout, not the code section, and you will receive a free self-love ritual kit. So what comes in the self-love kit? A candle, a mini bag of crystals, a rose quartz crystals, a Spotify playlist, and instructions on how to set up your ritual so you can set aside some time with yourself. Head to etsy.com slash shop slash Claire's Crystal Shop to browse her beautiful collection. And you can head to the show notes to click that link as well. I truly love Claire's products and I cannot wait for you all to check out her crystals and your very own self-love ritual kit just in time for the holidays. Enjoy your crystals from Claire. You will not regret it. Singh, and Growing Woman is a podcast all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Today's episode is with the lovely, just so lovely, Kitty Gonzalez. Um, she is a life coach and a yoga instructor, and Kitty is a past sponsor of this show. So if you're a regular listener of Growing Woman, you probably recognize that name because she has supported the show before. Kitty and I met through Stephanie Vershow, two-time past guest and sponsor of the show. Um, And she is just a lovely human. She's just positive and warm. And you know that you're just going to have a lovely and supportive conversation when you talk to Kitty. Um, In this episode, 
I really wanted to talk to Kitty about her experience at L'Oreal because she had worked there and left her job uh, six plus months ago to start her own coaching practice and her own yoga practice. Um, and I, I was really curious about her experience in doing that and her experience at L'Oreal and the ups and downs of, you know, what came with those experiences and how it kept leading her to, you know, opening a new door of fear and just walking through it. There's so many gorgeous lessons in this episode. And I do want to offer a content warning because we do talk about disordered eating. So I, I just want to offer that to you if you need it. You can find Kitty in the links in the show notes for this episode. I highly, highly recommend checking out her Instagram because she has so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom. But I'm also a monthly member of Kitty's yoga program. And the way she teaches and the way she just embraces Every skill level, every body type, anyone and everyone in her practice is just gorgeous. So highly encourage you to check out Kitty. I also want to mention that Kitty reached out to me after we recorded this episode, and she felt like it was super, super important to mention that her journey would not have been possible with her partner. Her incredibly supportive fiance um, has been rooting her on and supporting her every step of the way. So I wanted to make sure to mention that because I know that's the case for me and, and I would I would want to make sure to mention that too. So um, thank you, Kitty, for being on the show. And I, I just know all of you are going to love this episode with her. So enjoy. Starting and running a business can be exciting, but there are so many things to think about and marketing your business effectively is one of them. One of the biggest things you have to tackle when starting your business is how you want to present your message to the world and having a clear brand voice is part of that. Your brand is not just about your logo. It's about all the ways you convey what you're about from the fonts you use to the tone and messaging of your copy. Explaining clearly and effectively who you are and why you're unique can set you apart from your competitors and help build your business. And sometimes the things that make you special are hard to see for yourself. That is where my friends at Pearl Consulting NYC come in. They are masters at helping small businesses and solopreneurs jumpstart their brand voice and messaging, and I am so excited to be partnering with them to share their Reveal Your Brand package with you all. Reveal Your Brand is Pearl Consulting NYC's signature program aimed at authentically uncovering your brand's voice without resorting to formulas or imitating others so you can attract the right clients for you at an affordable price. As writers, Pearl Consulting NYC focuses on voice, the words and phrases that make up a brand. So what do you get with the Reveal Your Brand package, two one-hour creative collaborative virtual sessions where the Pearl Consulting NYC team takes you through a series of questions designed to uncover what makes you and your business unique in your industry. They reveal your ideal clients and figure out who your real competitors are. A hint, you can't just find them from a Google search. Session number one focuses on revealing your brand and session number two focuses on the words you'll use to describe what you offer. Within three to five business days after the second session, Pearl Consulting NYC will create 
create a written document clearly outlining your mission and brand voice, including taglines, tone examples, and a dictionary of brand relevant words to use in your copy. You can make up to two revisions to this document as a part of the package price. Companies spend thousands of dollars and months on their branding, but the Pearl Consulting NYC team wants this to be affordable and a quick turnaround for their clients. What a way to jumpstart your brand in the best way possible. Even more exciting, Growing Women listeners get an exclusive 10% off their Reveal Your Brand package price using the code GROWINGWOMAN at checkout. That's 10% off using the code GROWINGWOMAN in all caps, one word, at checkout. Head to pearlconsultingnyc.com slash reveal-your-brand to sign up for the Reveal Your Brand package today and get the support you need to reveal your brand's authentic voice. Again, pearlconsultingnyc.com slash reveal-your-brand. Kitty, welcome to Growing Woman. I'm so, so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I am so, so happy and honored to be here with you. <laughs> well, we met through a uh, past two-time past guest, sponsor of the show, Stephanie Verschel. And um, I know that you have known Stephanie for a while, as have mm-hmm. I. Um, and we were connected through her. And I feel like we kind of like orbited around each other. We finally got to <laughs> meet. <laughs> and we've worked together and you've sponsored this show, which is amazing. And um, I'm just so thrilled to have you on to talk about your journey. I knew when I first met you in person, I was like, oh, I really feel like one day I want to interview her. So I'm really excited to get to know more about your journey um, and who you are, but you are currently in Brooklyn, correct? I am currently in Brooklyn. That is right. Okay, great. So um, where are you originally from and mm-hmm. um, how can we talk about like your journey um, to Brooklyn. Like what, like where were you, where were you born? Where are you from? (laughs) Yeah, I am originally from Mexico city. So I was born in Mexico city and my family moved to Connecticut like two weeks after I was born. So we lived there until I was like 12 years old and, um, my dad loved it. My mom wanted to be back in Mexico with her family. So there was always this back and forth between them of my mom wanting to move back, my dad wanting to stay. So finally, my mom kind of won that battle and we moved to back to Mexico when I was in sixth grade. And then we moved back to Connecticut when I was in seventh grade and then back to Mexico again when I was in eighth grade. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there was a ton of back and forth um, disagreeing parents and they wanted to stay together. So you know, it was just a tumultuous time, but I ended up uh, being in Mexico City for end of middle school, all of high school. And I actually stayed in Mexico City for an additional year after graduating before moving to DC. I went to school in George Washington University. And then after school, I immediately came to New York. Even while I was in school, I would like come visit my friends here who were Um, living in New York. And I just, I wanted to be here so badly. My sister lived here. And so I moved to New York right after graduating and have been here ever since. Wow. What a journey. And I know that you, um, 
you are a yoga instructor and you are also mm-hmm. a life coach and you've beautifully combined both of those things. But before mm-hmm. you made the decision to tap into this, these spaces, you are working in the corporate world, correct? Mm-hmm. So what was your journey? Um, I'd love to, I definitely want to go back to your upbringing, but what mm-hmm. was your journey around like your career before this recent um, change? Yeah. So I, I studied business and marketing when I was in school and I minored in psychology and I loved my psychology classes so much. I was like, this is amazing. I like couldn't get enough of it, but I had it in my head that I had to study business. And, um, and so while when I was a senior or actually when I was in junior in, in college, there were all these recruiters coming to my school and, and they were all consulting firms or banks. And I just was like, I can't see myself in any of these. Like I just, I, I can't. And then L'Oreal came to recruit and I was like, oh my God, it just like, I was like color, like, like <laughs> creativity. And it sounded so fun to me. So I went to um, the recruiting event that they had and was like, I want to get hired at L'Oreal. I need to get hired. So I applied for their internship and I got through the internship for, it was a summer internship between my junior and senior year. And then after that internship, I got hired full-time after graduating college. And so immediately started working there and I was there for six years um, working first on U.S. marketing. And then um, my last two years at the company, I worked in global marketing and product development for hair care products. So um, it was an incredible time. I learned a ton, um, but my favorite part of being there was always learning about people and their goals and um, what made them tick and why they were at L'Oreal, what made them, you know, like what their values were and what excited them. And I cared so much more about that than the actual products that I was working on. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to make a change here. I can't keep doing this. This is so interesting. So um, I am always very fascinated by the small details that we don't always talk about. So mm-hmm. what was your internship like when mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm sure you were so excited mm-hmm. to have an internship at this huge company. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your internship like at L'Oreal? It was intense. I mean, even the the interview process was more intense than any interview I've ever had they whether you were close or not like they either flew you in or train you took a train <laughs> paid for your train to New York for the interview wow um so I was in DC I took the train there and there were I don't know how many people but it was at the I want to say it was at the Hyatt Regency Hotel um like around Times Square or I don't remember what hotel exactly, but it was in Times Square and they had us there for a full weekend. We had a roommate who was also, you know, someone who was applying to the internship. There must've been about 2000 people. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was. I thought you were going to say 200. (laughs) Oh, there were a ton of people. And so the first day was, you know, L'Oreal did this huge presentation. And then from there, um, the next that night there was like a cocktail and networking event. And then the next day there was a case study um, interview. So you were placed in a group of six other people and they gave you a a project to work on. And then 
six hours to talk about it, to, to work on it. And in the table where you were working, there were like three other, um, three people from L'Oreal who just had like your resume, picture of you, and they were just writing what you were saying and how you were interacting, observing you. Um, and then you presented your case study. And then the next day it was a one-on-one -on -one interview and then you went home. And so it was, you know, it was a pretty grueling process. Um, wow. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really and then, intense. yes. And then the actual internship was, it was so fun. I mean, it was also extremely intense and also very competitive because there's like 10 other interns and, you know, there's only a limited amount of full-time offers that they have available. Um, so it was competitive. Um, but I learned a ton. My manager at the time was incredibly supportive the team I was on was incredibly supportive. And, um, you know, I got to work, the division I worked in was, uh, it's called the professional products division. So we marketed and sold specifically to salons. So I got to speak to hundreds of stylists and test the products and um, really experience what it would be like to work at L'Oreal later. Yeah. Um, so when you were in this internship, what, how did the um, possibility come about to be hired? Because I know you said you were then hired at this company. Mm -hmm. How did that naturally unfold? Did it naturally unfold or was there, did you kind of push for, for this in any way? How did that happen? That's yeah, that's really how um, they recruit, you know, you have this internship and they, it's almost like your two month interview. Like you're oh, wow. that, yeah, it's like they get to work with you and see how capable you are of then being hired full time. So you kind of go into it knowing like, if I do well in this, in this um, two month interview, then I'll get hired full time. That's super interesting. Mm -hmm. So you spent six years there. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you said you had studied psychology, but you went more toward business. And then this really piqued your interest over your six years. What were, um, were some of the biggest lessons that you had? Because I know you said you were working, um, more domestically and then on a mm. global team. So mm -hmm. I imagine there's a lot of transition in general, working for a larger company, a lot of systems in place. Um, and I know you mentioned that you are very connected to people's stories, which is yeah. leading to, more changes in your life too. Uh -huh. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned during your time in this world? I think the biggest lesson I learned early on was that, um, I didn't have to carry the weight of the entire company on my shoulders, which is what I felt when I first started. Oh, wow. Like I, there were decisions that I had to make immediately that felt so incredibly huge to me, thousands of dollars being spent products being, produced based on, you know, not that I had the final word, but there were some situations where like, I could give an okay on something that had consequences. And that felt so scary to me. And a lot of the times I wasn't sure, you know, I think this happens when you're first learning, when you're starting a new job, like what is okay to ask? Everything is. But at the time, I felt like I need to know everything. I was so embarrassed to ask questions and to, you know, for them to think that I didn't know something. Mm -hmm. So I think early on, I learned that you have to ask questions and you don't need to know everything ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a gorgeous lesson because I've 
absolutely felt that way coming into a work environment, coming into any sort of new environment um, Mm -hmm. where, and I do think in the workplace, there is this, um, this strange competition around knowledge and this strange competition around, (laughs) around like having the answers or being the person to create something that's the tool, the resource, the system, and knowing the answer. Mm -hmm. But what I think is so brave and needed is especially when, um, people around us or multiple people higher, higher than us in the workplace are Mm -hmm. saying, well, I don't know the answer to that. Can we explore this or asking a question, trying to figure it out? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you're in an internship role and when you're in an entry level role, there is that desire to prove yourself. There is that desire mm-hmm. to make it known that you're not so green, but you mm-hmm. are. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that's a really big challenge when you come into a workplace. So I really appreciate that lesson the lesson of always asking, and it's okay to always ask any question. No question is too small. Um, because I think that's vulnerability at, at, you know, play here. And I think it also provides information to your team on how to better support you too. Yeah. I know if I was managing someone, I, and they came to me and asked questions, I would much prefer that than, feeling like they didn't know what they were doing and making bigger decisions on products. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when did you realize that um, you wanted to make a shift in your career at L'Oreal? I realized it pretty early on, um, like within my first year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, but I didn't know how to make the shift. I didn't know how to do it. Like I knew that I wanted to work in a way where I was helping people one-on-one and supporting people and providing value from a a more emotional standpoint, but I didn't know how to do it. I had no idea. So I, um, I just kept giving it my all at L'Oreal and I was doing well, I was getting promoted. I was getting really great feedback, but I was always feeling like I was missing something. Like it doesn't matter how, how, how well I do in this role, it's never going to fill me up. Um, and so I hired a, I worked with a therapist, not really for the, to like help me figure out what I wanted to do, but just because I was struggling so much with anxiety at work, I hired a therapist and she helped me a ton with that. Um, and then it was really thanks to Steph who was such an expander for me. I remember she was randomly placed as my mentor at L'Oreal mm. um, and w- in my first year. And she was so helpful. I remember my manager at the time, I was terrified of her. And um, Stephanie, I remember she would coach me around like, you know what, tomorrow you put red lipstick on, put on your high heels, walk to her door, knock on her door with confidence, like, you know, like really pumping me up and like, tell like helping me show up in a way that I was not showing up at all. Cause I was so scared. Um, and she wasn't a coach at the time. She was another marketing manager at L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. And then I remember learning that she had left to become a life coach. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I didn't even consider that being an option in life, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I kind of kept following her trajectory and 
I was between um, going back to school to get a master's in psychology or in social work or becoming a life coach. And so I took the GREs um, and I started narrowing down the schools that I wanted to apply to for my master's in psychology. And I just, I couldn't find anything that really lit me up. Um, and so I hired, I worked with, I joined the joy method with <sighs> Stephanie and I was like, maybe this will help me find a clearer path. And lo and behold, it did. Like I could not believe how helpful that whole journey was that program opened my eyes to the possibility of coaching and what coaching really provides for people. And it was exactly what I wanted to help um, provide to others as well. So it was really through stuff that I kind of learned what coaching was even about and what it, um, what it could help people achieve. Oh, this is really cool. And I want to touch on a bunch of things. So I really, Ooh, I love the moment of putting on the lipstick and the heels and walking to the door and knocking on the door because I think, I don't know if anyone would assume you would be fearful in the workplace. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know how, if we would assume we would all be fearful in the workplace or you have that manager, or that person at work that seems like they have it all, or seems mm-hmm. like they have it all together, or they're very intimidating and maybe they're not, or maybe they are. Mm-hmm. There are all these questions swirling in your brain. And in my mind, working at a place like L'Oreal, that is like the New York city dream of like, mm-hmm. you are working at a huge fashion brand coming mm-hmm. in fashionable, working with all of these incredible people who seemingly have it together. Maybe they Mm -hmm. don't, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. seemingly they do. And I would, even that thought, I mean, that was kind of like my dream of moving to New York and having, you know, working for a fashion magazine. But in those moments, when you're confronted with the reality of it, um, it's so interesting how we can make ourselves feel so small Mm -hmm. and feel so scared, um, when you're in front of, of the reality of, oh, okay, now I have to actually do that thing. Or now I have to actually have the conversation or, or face the fear. Um, because in my brain, getting on a train and going to New York city and being with thousands of people and being 10, out of the thousands that got selected to do an internship with this huge beauty brand and then getting a full-time role from that, I'm like, that girl has her shit together. You know, like, mm-hmm. wow, that person is really in it and really has it together and is, you know, wouldn't ever be afraid mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of these steps. So I think it's really, really important to highlight that moment of being nervous or being fearful in this environment and having anxiety and having allies such Mm -hmm. as Stephanie and your therapist. Um, Was that always the case when you were working in this space? Like, did you feel confident or was it, or were you kind of always coming, like opening the next door of fear and walking through it and then opening the next door of fear and walking through it? How was that? Oh my God. That is like the the best way to describe it. Opening the next door of fear and walking through it. Opening the next door of fear and walking through it. <laughs> so many doors of fear in that in that job. 
mm-hmm. constant. Um, and, and it all like, like you were saying, you know, you would think that going through that interview process, getting the job, all of the, these things, like they're all external validations, which are helpful. They are right. You can't deny that. Like you, there is a, a way for these external successes, that's a word yes. to help validate <laughs> you, but, but they're not enough. Like it has to be your belief in yourself. It doesn't matter how successful you are and how, how many promotions you get, how much money you're making. You can still, unless you're really putting in the the time to believe in it yourself, um, it doesn't matter, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's where I was a lot of the time. And that's what, um, it's like these tests that you're constantly put through. I think I was constantly put through these tests at L'Oreal that I'm incredibly grateful for. And I was put through these tests up until my very last month that I was working there. Mm -hmm. I had been really working my ass off my last two years, especially really wanting to get this promotion. And, um, and I remember I was like, okay, like, I didn't even want the promotion. I really wanted to be like recognized. And so I was like, okay, I need to talk to my manager and tell her everything that I've accomplished in the last two years. Cause she was also new. She didn't, there had been so much turnover in my team. She didn't even know what I had worked on. So I was like, okay, I need to talk to her and tell her why I deserve this promotion, like why it needs to be given to me. And I think preparing for that meeting and actually saying all of those things out loud to her, who I was also extremely intimidated by her, which says it has nothing to do with her, right? It has everything to do with, with me. And so I didn't get the promotion, but that conversation, preparing for that conversation and saying it out loud, that was my test. And I did it and I passed the test for myself because I spoke up. And then after that, I was like, okay, this, this place isn't for me, but like, I spoke up, I asked for what I wanted. I didn't get it. And I didn't really want it. You know, I actually didn't really want it. Yeah. I wanted to get the hell out of there. And that was the ultimate push, like speak up for yourself, value yourself. And if they're not going to value you back in the way that you need in the way that you want, get out and do what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And so that happened like my last month, the company, um, and I left a month after. Wow. That's so I've, I've been in that scenario where there has been something I've asked for and then it didn't happen. Um, and it really gave me such great clarity. And also I, in the moment real, like, I was like, I'm actually limiting myself in, mm-hmm. in this role, I'm limiting myself in these decisions that I'm making and, and these actions I'm taking because they're not actually mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah. And I think what you said about, I just wanted to be recognized. Yeah. I just wanted somebody to tell me here's, yeah, you're doing an amazing job. Let's pay you more. Like let's validate you with these things. When in fact, it's like working yourself up to that is the hard part. Yeah. So when I was in a similar situation in my role, I realized, oh, it's, that's like, that's not actually what I want. 
Mm-hmm. I wanted the validation and somebody saying, I'm doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's pay you more money. Like here's the next step. Um, and yes, you are all the things that you internally believe you are, mm-hmm. but I'm going to give this to you. So, so you can have it externally validated as well. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that I can definitely relate but I also think there's such beauty in preparing to have hard conversations um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I know that uh, Brene Brown has said uh, daring leaders, I I'm going to botch this quote, but they have the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And so having hard conversations and, you know, vulnerability isn't oversharing. It's coming against that friction, that uncomfortable moment and pushing through it, you know, opening that really fearful door. So I really, um, can relate to having, um, a hard time with moments that feel conflicting. Is that something that, um, you've now been able to work on and, and like process more in yourself? Yeah. And definitely going through the coaching training has helped me a lot. Therapy has helped me a lot with that. Um, but it's also like, I think even the word fear, like, you know, I hope it's something that I keep encountering, you know, and just keep pushing through versus, I guess it's how I approach fear versus, yeah, approaching it and wanting to walk through that door, how I want to walk through that door, how I want to respond to the fear versus how I react to the fear. It's mm-hmm. always that um, that decision that we get to make that I think I'm constantly trying to respond instead of react. Yeah, I um, really enjoy respond versus react because there is always the opportunity to react versus respond. Mm -hmm. There's always the, the immediate opportunity to react to something versus Mm -hmm. stepping back and responding. Mm -hmm. Are there others, other areas in your life, um, that led you to moving toward being more, uh, responsive versus reactive? I think it all start. So I started, I went to therapy when I was 17. That's when I first started going to therapy. And at the time I was struggling with an an eating disorder and that therapist, I mean, she like completely saved my life, but what I most learned throughout my time with her was exactly that response ability, like my response and how I respond. It's like my ability to do so, right? Like I, I, we are all able to respond and where I was immediately reacting to my emotions, to stress in an incredibly unhealth, unhealthy way. I got so used to that way. I didn't know any other way. It, it was like all that I knew Um, and she was able slowly to teach me how to respond. Mm. She really did it through therapy and through breathing and through yoga. 
Yeah. That's really what got me so hooked on yoga and on breathing. And, uh, it's a practice. Like I definitely am not perfect at any of it. I hope to never be. It's impossible, obviously. (laughs) Um, and there are days where, you know, I know that I could have responded better. Um, but that I must say like, that is definitely what got me started on this path. Thank you for sharing that. And when you're working through something as, um, overwhelming and, um, I almost think of like incorporating muscle memory into, mm-hmm. you know, like something as overwhelming as a, an eating disorder, um, or any form of disorder where your, your muscles are keeping the trauma in your body. Like your body knows how to react, training yourself <laughs> to know that you have the response capability to sit back and pause and take the moment to pause. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Um, you mentioned that some of the really key things that turned this around for you were breath work and yoga. Mm-hmm. So how did you start? I mean, you teach yoga now. So mm-hmm. obviously this journey was, you kind of climb the mountain <laughs> to <laughs> then like be teaching others, but how did you start? Um, because I think that really beautifully ties into the response versus react. Mm-hmm. I started, um, I always danced ballet. And so movement was always really important to me, but, uh, through my, my therapist is the person who really taught me yoga. And so I started with her, we would do a therapy session. And then the last like 15 minutes, she would teach me yoga and it was really simple yoga. Um, but she taught me enough for me to then be able to do it at home on my own. And the same with breathing, we would start our sessions with different breathing techniques. Um, And so I knew then, you know, if I felt triggered outside of the therapy session, different breathing techniques that I could turn to. So I would literally go in when I would feel triggered, if I was with my family, um, which is often when I would get triggered, I would go to the bathroom and I would practice my breathing exercises that my therapist had taught me. Um, and that was so helpful. It was hard and it felt like, is this really working? Like this feels silly. I'm just like, you know, I would do like alternate nostril breathing in the bathroom. I'm like, I don't know, like, is this what what I'm supposed to be doing? But like, clearly it, it helped (laughs) like, yeah, changed, it changed my life. Right. And, um, (laughs) such a great, um, visual. And I think super vulnerable because it's like, yeah, sometimes you have to sneak into the bathroom and breathe and, and just the fact that it's a practice, you know, it's like, you're trying it out. Um, you might, you know, take a look at yourself in the mirror at the corner of your eye and see yourself doing all alternate nostril breathing. You're like, where am I? What am I doing? What's happening? <laughs> but ultimately you're practicing like that's yeah. being open to healing. Yeah. And I think that's so brave. Um, so you were saying you weren't sure if it was working, but obviously it yeah. was, you know, obviously in, in it works. Ways. So yeah. how did that healing process start? 
Yeah. So then from there, I, I just did, I remember finding like a random yoga app and I would do, I would, I, I started doing yoga like at home on my own. And then, um, and then in college, I, I, I would sometimes go to yoga studios here and there, but I, um, I kind of got away from it. And then it wasn't until I moved to DC or not to DC, excuse me, to New, to New York. Um, and I found out about yoga to the people, which um, no longer exists, but it was a donation based studio. So I had a studio really close to me, close to my apartment. And so I started going all the time and it felt like a community and really homey and just a place that I could like go to whenever I wanted. And, um, the way that they teach is, you know, you, they teach you a flow, a short flow, and then they invite you to take it on your own one breath, one movement. So you really start practicing yoga within the class on your own and you get to, they really encouraged us to move in whatever way felt good for us. Um, And so then I just started practicing a ton on my own. I remember I just have like, you know, there was a period in in my life where I was like alone in my room a lot doing yoga (laughs) and I got a, like a, a voice in my head one night, just saying like, sign up for the teacher training. And so, you know, this is something that they would always share after practice the teachers would say, we have a yoga teacher training coming up, starting X date, whatever. And I would always be like, oh, I want to do it, but I can't be a teacher. Like, I'm not that person, Um, but I wanted to do it so bad. And then I remember that one night, like alone in my room and it was just like, sign up for the teacher training. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to sign up for a teacher training. Yeah. And that's how that started. This is really cool because I think the... um... I've taught I talked in an episode with um Melissa about the like beauty of surrender in yoga practice and like mm-hmm. how you're just kind of you're just surrendering to the process which I think happens in so many things in our lives you know when you're mm-hmm. doing alternate nostril breathing in the bathroom when you're, doing, you're <laughs> surrendering to the process yes and I think that um number one finding something that makes you feel good and like makes you you want to keep doing um, you, you just want to do that thing is great. And I also am super fascinated by those moments of like the tap and the Mm -hmm. tap on the shoulder and like how that can lead you to that space, which I think is so gorgeous because now it's led you to combine these two worlds in your business. Um, (laughs) I, I have friends who've done yoga teacher trainings. They've, I've known people who, you know, study in India. Melissa was on the show. She's gone to India like six times. Um, And I don't, I don't know what the process looks like. I have a a somewhat of an idea, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm really curious kind of like what your first class was like, like what your first, when you stepped into leading others, because you were being led into like, you were being led and then you chose to be a leader in this way, Uh which I think is such an interesting shift in dynamic, but it almost kind of feels like giving birth to a baby deer. And like, they're trying to figure out how to walk. You have no idea. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) what it's like. So, um, we would, teach within our group, within our, our teacher, the, the 
other yogis who were training to be teachers. We would teach amongst each other and that's how we would practice. And then um, every week, it was a 10 week program. So first week you would go to a class and you would observe the class and then you would write about it. And then the next week you would go to a class and you were allowed to adjust the students while the teacher was teaching the class. And then the third class, you actually, I don't remember if it was the third class or, or which class exactly, but you would start the class. You would teach the class with a teacher and then they would step in when they felt like you kind of had, you needed support and then they would finish the class. Mm-hmm. And then you were, you didn't graduate until you taught a class from start to finish. Um, and so that was my first go at, oh, and then, and then actually you didn't graduate until you started a class, class from start to finish without a teacher. Oh, okay. Um, so that was my experience the the first time, you know, I was constantly practicing, um, physically and just vocalizing the, the class. I would be on my way to work pretending that I was talking on the phone, being like, inhale, raise your right leg up and back, exhale, step it through between. <laughs> I would be on the subway saying it. Like I would, there was, I would go to sleep and talk, you know, teach a class until I fell asleep. Like it was constantly so that I would get comfortable with the words. Um, and that was my first teacher training. I taught, I, um, it was a 200 hour training um, for vinyasa yoga. And then a year later, I decided to enroll in hot yoga teacher training. And that was actually a totally, it was the same setup where you would observe a class and then you would teach some of the class. And the anxiety that I experienced teaching that class felt like a little deer, whatever you described with the deer, like <laughs> trying to walk to a little deer. I, yeah, giving birth to a little deer. It was like, even though I had already taught classes in a vinyasa studio, um, teaching in this hot room with, you know, an 103 degrees and really sweaty students. And <laughs> the practice is so rigorous. It's these 26 postures in a specific order, a certain amount of seconds in each posture, specific breathing, um, making sure that your students were safe. They weren't allowed to leave the room you know, there was so many things to be thinking about that I felt like I had never taught a class before in my life. And it was like totally daunting. Um, and I guess I share that because now I feel so comfortable teaching a class and it feels really like second nature, but it's only because I've taught like over 200, I don't know how many, definitely over 200 classes, but I did not always get the words out of my mouth as easily as I do today. It was like a ton of practice, a ton of um, embarrassing moments in certain classes, you know, like it, it took a a lot of practice. Yeah, of course. I mean, with anything. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But I, I think there is something that is really intimidating about being responsible for other people's bodies and how they Mm -hmm. move. Um, not that you are, but like you're, you're teaching people how to move their bodies. Mm -hmm. It's such a personal thing. And I think, um, that can be really like, 
uh, brushed under the rug with exercise. Like when you're mm-hmm. in an environment where maybe people are feeling fine with exercising or they're just coming to a class. For me, exercise is really, really vulnerable. Moving mm-hmm. my body is very vulnerable and having people see me move my body is really vulnerable. So having somebody mm-hmm. hold space for that is very intimidating. So I imagine holding that space can also be really intimidating too. I'm not yeah, sure. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I remember the, the first class that I was teaching myself. Um, the advice that a teacher said to me was just teach the class that you would want to be taking such good advice. Yeah. It was like the best <clears throat> advice I could have, I could have heard his name is Robert. And I like, will never forget the moment when he said that he was like, he said that. And then like, he left and I was like, Oh my God. And then I started teaching. <laughs> Like the ghost of Christmas past or something. Where'd you go? Like, what? It's so funny. Teach yeah, the class you would want to take. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to take a class where like the teacher is really kind, challenges me here and there, but like, it's just like here to have a good time and enjoy the moment and be present. And I hope that that's what I provide when I teach. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You're, you're very welcoming and open and you hold space for folks. I haven't taken a yoga class with you in person, but I've taken your digital courses and you're definitely that person where you're like, it's okay. Like you can, you, wherever you are in this moment, this is where we're going to be. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. Something that really resonates for me in my yoga practice, which I've just been doing for, which is 30 Um, days. (laughs) I've been so inspired by Like I have been thinking about you so much. You're the best. It's awesome. I have a little calendar off camera here where I like draw when I finish a day. You're at like 31 days now. 32 today Ah! uh, after my son goes to bed, but by the time this comes out, I'll have more days under my belt, which would be really cool. But I, I found yoga, um, almost 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. I just remember when I started doing it, I was like, Oh, this is how my body's totally meant to move. I was like, this is so aligned with how I want my body to move and how I feel it's meant to move. And my, movement in these poses, I, you know, I felt very aligned being Indian as well. I was like, oh, this is really like, this all makes sense to me. Um, and it was challenging and hard, but I really loved that I could see my body move even just a little bit, or I could see my strength change even just a little bit. And for me, what's always been really, really helpful is intention and like Mm -hmm. having intention focused in my body. So even when I'm raising my arm or like there's, um, a pose that I'm doing it and just having an instructor say like, do not forget about the alignment of your neck or the alignment of your spine, or like, make sure your pelvis is down or make sure you're pushing that energy is really powerful for me because I have not always held so much intention in my body. I've ignored Mm -hmm. it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so holding that intention brings that into my day and in outside, like off the mat, I'm really curious how, um, both of these, you know, uh, avenues of your life coaching and this space in yoga, um, how do you bring, that those moments of energy and tension, whatever it is you take from your practice, Mm -hmm. um, what do you take from it first? And then how do you bring that into 
every other place in your life. Well, I think you summed it up really well. It's that awareness of your body. And I think that's what like made me love yoga so much is when I did start practicing, I had awareness of my, I didn't have the awareness of my body that I had today. And I didn't have the relationship with my body that I had today. I really hated my body. I was like angry at it. And that has completely shifted really thanks to yoga and yoga has showed me everything that my body can do, the strength that it has, you know? And, um, and so that awareness that we practice on the mat, like you said, setting that intention, I realized was really powerful on the mat. And it led to those moments off of the mat as well. And coaching almost felt like yoga for your mind. Oh, that's such an interesting way to put it. Yeah. I love it. So while, you know, yoga is great for your mind and it's Mm -hmm. great for your body coaching just provided that like, um, additional awareness and knowing what to do with your thoughts off of the mat and, um, being coached and coaching, both of them. I mean, I feel like every time I coach somebody, I just got a coaching session myself. Like there is so much learning and growth that I receive from my clients. Um, and so I think the way that the, the two of them are combined, I guess, to sum it all up is how I, how I feel it is yoga really helps to create that intention on the mat and coaching helps solidify that intention off of the mat. Mm-hmm. It's really well, um, beautifully said and, and well said, I think it makes sense given your history of how you approached, I know coaching and therapy, they're very different, but how you approach therapy and yoga, it makes a lot of sense as to why you would combine the two for your business and why that would resonate for you as a business model. Mm -hmm. given the fact that you had so many benefits when you first started this journey of self-healing. Going back to when you, and I'm really enjoying this conversation. Do you mind if we keep going? No, me too. No, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Going back to when you decided to leave your role, um, Mm -hmm. because I know you haven't, like it hasn't been a crazy long time Mm-mm. since you made this transition. So I think it's, I really want to explore this because I think it's really cool that it's fresh and that we can yeah. talk about this. So what was your, I'm, I want to be like, what's your step-by-step process, but like yeah. what, what were like three things that you did mm-hmm. mentally okay. before you made this decision? Um, so three things that I did mentally, I guess this was like mentally and physically. Yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) I, I knew that I wanted to leave and, and I knew that leaving would, would probably mean I wouldn't be making the same amount of money that I was making at the time. So, um, a year and a half, maybe a little bit more before leaving, 
I moved to an apartment that was where I was paying a significantly less amount of rent. Mm-hmm. So I could save money and have this fund ready for me when I wanted to leave. So that was the number one, I think, you know, that that's why I didn't quit the moment that I wanted to, if I had quit the moment that I wanted to, I would have quit a long time ago, but I wanted to make sure that I was prepared from a financial standpoint. And so that was number one. And then I guess the second way that I prepared mentally was making sure that I had provided as much value as I could while I was at L'Oreal and, and trust that I had gotten what I needed out of there. Mm-hmm. And the third thing was the belief in myself that I could make happen what I wanted to make happen. And when I was preparing to leave, I was actually living with my partner and with my dad during COVID. Um, and my, my dad was, you know, he was supportive of me doing what I wanted to do, but he wasn't really supportive of supportive of me leaving L'Oreal. He loved that. I worked at this company and the number one beauty brand in the world. And he was so proud that I was there and that it was secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent so much time trying to convince him why it was time for me to leave. And then I realized like, I can't keep trying to convince him. I need to convince myself. So I think that was like the, the, what really helped me was really believing in myself. And that meant believing that I was a life coach saying it in front of the mirror, like practicing I'm a life coach. (laughs) That took me a long time to believe even after I was certified to just say, I am a life coach and believe it and be confident in it. Um, I think, I think that's actually been the biggest help for me. What's Mm -hmm. been the most valuable is knowing that I had to believe that I was a life coach Mm -hmm. and working on that belief. Super, super helpful information because I think it has to do with that external validation that we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. and like really kind of craving that or like (laughs) only knowing that that's our compass. Like we're not realizing it's a completely different navigation system. This is not the right one. Um, and knowing that it's actually an internal navigation system, not something coming from someone else, because Mm -hmm. I have that hugely in my brain too, when it comes to my family and, and my parents and, you know, anyone that I would share, uh, my endeavors with. Mm -hmm. And there is something so like precious about having something to yourself and then so scary about sharing it with other people. Mm -hmm. And the moment I think, because I think I really want to like honor the space that you took for yourself to believe in yourself, because I think the hard part of manifesting something, believing something, having it happen is going through the hard parts Mm -hmm. is like understanding. It's not going to be easy. Like understanding you have to also think about like the money that you're saving. Think about the people who are going to say things to you. 
well being that pillar of, Mm -hmm. of knowing internally that you're confident in this decision and that you are embodying this. So I feel like that's such a beautiful lesson of number one, like confidence and mentally being in tune with your own needs because like you're, you know what you need and that need is to be validated by yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not feel like you're getting it from everywhere else. Like you have to actually be the person to say like, I am this thing. Like, yes, I am doing this thing. Absolutely. And I think that I could have done it without coaching, but I don't know that I would have been able to believe it as quickly as I did if I hadn't had a coach that I was meeting with every week mm-hmm. and continuing to take, to listen to other coaches and listen to, I, I'm in a, a program that's for life coaches um, where I get to watch other life coaches being coached by coaches. A lot of coaches, meta. A lot of coaches by coaches. coaches. Yeah. <laughs> but it's incredible. I mean, I, I learned so much from these other coaches and they're the more they believe in themselves and I'm able to witness that, the more I'm able to believe in myself as well. So I guess all that to say is like, yes, it's it is a lot of like work that I've done on my own, but definitely through the support of others, um, it's just been able to expedite that process so much. Right. Well, I think you're talking about community and yes, finding totally. community and having space for healing in a community. So when you're observing this and building this community around you, it offers you that place for stability and like mm-hmm. finding that stabilization within yourself to take your step. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really cool. And I know that they're like, I, I also want to honor like your role as a coach, because I know there are coaches everywhere now. And like, it's, there's a mm-hmm. lot of that mm-hmm. in the world now, but what I think is really cool is how you have brought so much of your journey and the, um, the questions that you've asked yourself into your practice, um, because I'm sure all of those lessons have come through in this community that you've been in as well. Um, so when you, you know, chose to leave your role and you chose to open this beautiful business of, um, you know, practicing yoga, teaching yoga and having your coaching practice, um, when you first started, what Mm -hmm. did that look like for you? Um, and how did that start to evolve? It was such a trip. I mean, I was a ton of mixed feelings. I was so excited to be moving on to something new. I was sad to be leaving a lot of the team members that I've been working with who I loved and learned so much from. Um, but I think I, it's so different leaving a space that you've been in for six years that's very scheduled, nine to five or whatever, um, where you know you have the same meetings every day and you know what your job is. I had to create my job for myself 
right after. And I, I felt this like urgency to have it like figured out like the day after I left L'Oreal. So immediately after I left so much, there was so much thought work that I had to do around having grace with myself, putting less pressure on myself, trusting myself and showing up every day. Um, and that's definitely evolved. It's been, I left in May, so it's been about six months and every month has felt like a new shift. Like I'm stepping onto a new, uh, challenge. And I, it always just comes back to, (laughs) I know I keep saying it, but it's just true. Like, and it's so cliche and it might sound corny, but it's like, it always comes back to the belief in myself, just having to grow stronger and stronger. Cause like the belief that you get like knocked out of your belief, something happens and you're like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Did I make the right choice? Like those questions happened to me when I first start, when I first left, I was questioning myself probably every day, like, Oh my God, what did I do? Was this the right thing? And then, you know, writing down why it was the right thing. Mm. And then those days happen less and less frequently now. Yeah. I think this happens with any transition too, whether you're, you know, you're not leaving a job or you're going Mm -hmm. to, maybe you're up for a promotion or you're moving into a field um, with a different company. I think Mm -hmm. those moments of belief will Mm -hmm. happen and and those reminders um, are going to they're going to be necessary and very much needed over and over and over again. And I find these things so annoying with life. Like I'm like, okay, I have to face fear all the time. I have to remind myself of this shit. I have to challenge myself all the time. Like, good God. But I understand why. And it's Mm -hmm. wonderful on the other side of it, but I'm like, come on. Like, it's just so frustrating (laughs) to have to go through it over and over and over again, which is, I think why I have all these conversations with people because I'm like, okay, how are you dealing with this whole thing? Yeah. And I think what like has helped me deal with it was like the connection to my values for sure. And the value of what I'm doing now in my career, like the value it's providing versus the value that I was providing before. I think the the only thing that actually allowed me to stay at L'Oreal for so long was I found value, but I had to really scratch for it. I was like, I am helping people at L'Oreal by, you know, people need shampoo and conditioner to soften their hair and the production of the shampoo and conditioner is putting food on people's table. And so those are the things that kept, that allowed me to connect to the value. But, um, but I was really like, really having a hard time fully connecting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this, now I get to like the value of really helping others seeing the shift from the beginning of a session to the end of a session from the beginning of a, of a nine week program with me to the end of a nine week program with me. I'm like, Holy shit. Coaching is real. Like this shit works. (laughs) And that is like that having that to connect to has helped me tremendously. Oh, I'm sure. And I think, um, 
you know, there would, there are people in your role that you had at L'Oreal that find so much value in what they're doing because their values are different than yours. And they're exactly. Yeah. They're finding those moments in that time and that space. And that would be their dream. And like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I totally like, I I remember having conversations with so many of my coworkers, like the passion that they had when they would talk about a product and the ingredients in the products and what it was doing to the chemistry of your hair. I mean, they were so excited and I just wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's where I was also like, I don't, you know, I can be excited about my job. I can be passionate about my job. They clearly are. I mean, there could be a coach out there that really isn't liking what they're doing and they would much rather prefer to have a different role similar to the one you had. You know, I think Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is your values that are aligned with where you are in the space you are right now and, and Mm -hmm. understanding and recognizing them and honoring them and listening, like listening to everything that's coming up, um, listening to yourself and having that inner knowing, um, and really balancing yourself, um, out, (laughs) which is really hard to do. And it's a practice. And, um, I really appreciate you talking about how you practice all of these things and how, um, you've merged them really beautifully in your life. So you're six months in, what does the future look like for you? Like what, what sort of goals are you looking at now? The future is, more one-on-one clients. I didn't know how much I would enjoy. I mean, yeah, I didn't know because I hadn't experienced it the way that I have now. Um, but the joy of working with people one-on-one. And so as I'm continuing the growth in my business, it's definitely to continue to fill up that roster of my one-on-one clients. Um, as you know, I have this yoga membership, which includes more than 50 pre-recorded yoga classes and live classes on Saturdays. And so the future is to continue to grow that as well. Um, and I think as I'm, I keep moving forward, it's finding a better way to even integrate yoga and coaching better than I'm doing today. Um, the two still feel a little bit siloed to me, um, in my, in my practice as a coach and in my practice as a teacher. Um, and so my thoughts lately have been to really create a program or a type of coaching where it's very deliberate and we do this amount of half of the session is dedicated to yoga. Half of the session is dedicated to coaching. Mm-hmm. So I think as I continue to grow, it's really finding a way to seamlessly merge the two um, in a more cohesive way than it is today. I really like that because I think so much of our physical body has to do with how we present ourselves mentally. Mm-hmm. And so I think combining the two, I think you already do that really beautifully with you know the options that you provide for people, but I think in session, it's really, really neat. And I can't wait to see how that unfolds for your clients too. Um, when someone is working with you, what can they expect in a session with you? So all of my clients, I, I start 
with a complimentary consultation session with all of my clients that lasts for about 60 minutes where we go through a life wheel. So essentially I ask them to rate six different areas of their life on a scale of one to 10, their career, their relationships, their spirituality, their finances, their health, and their romance. And then I ask them what a 10 would look like and what would actually need to happen to get to a 10, what would need to change. So we start with that because really the way that we do one thing bleeds into how we do a lot of other things as well. So whatever thought patterns we have in relation to our career might be very similar thought patterns that we have in relation to our relationships or in relation to ourselves. So that exercise really, it helps for two things. One, it helps me notice thought patterns that my client has that I can then help them reframe. And then it also helps the client create a vision for themselves. Like so many times we are like, I want to change my career. I want to be in a relationship, but we haven't taken the time to like actually ask ourselves what we want our career to look like, what we want our relationships to look like. So that is really helpful in that exercise. And it kind of primes the client to like, oh, I know where we're going. This is my vision, which Mm -hmm. can obviously be changed in any way, especially as new awareness comes through, but that still provides like for a direction to move through. And then in our actual sessions, um, I was trained at IPEC and the way that I was trained as a coach was to ask these five questions at the beginning of every session. And it, they, these questions are so powerful. I, I think like twice have strayed away from these questions just to like, see what it would be like to coach without them. And the power was not the same. So (laughs) I stick to these questions, which are the power is always in the client's in in the client's hands, whatever they want to talk about in the session is fair game. So I always ask them, what do you want to work on today? What is the specific goal for today's session? What does success look like for you after, for this session? Um, Why is it important for you? And then what do you feel you need to address or resolve in order to start moving towards that goal? Mm -hmm. And so that's how we start. And that really allows for the inner blocks to come through that last question, especially what do you feel like you need to resolve or address in order to start moving forward? And that will bring in an inner block that I begin to question around. So in all of my sessions, I rarely, if ever tell the client what to do, I always only ask open-ended questions. Because like, who am I to know better than anyone, know better than my client? Like Mm -hmm. the purpose of this coaching session is really for all of these answers to come out of you, like out of your inner knowing. And I'm just there to help get them out and, and help lead you toward the direction that you set, that my client set at the beginning of the session. Um, And so the beginning probably half of the session to 45 minutes. It's really around working through those inner blocks. And what I mean by inner blocks are like certain limiting beliefs that the client might have, or like we call it a gremlin, that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, or that voice that might tell you, why would you do this? There are so many other people doing it already. We work through those thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're not true. They're our thoughts. They're not fact. And then the last 
15 or so minutes of the session is really on, okay, what's our action plan towards, you know, more tactical things that can be done from now until the next session? How do you want to hold yourself accountable? Um, and then between sessions, um, I'm always in contact with my clients through text or, or voice notes just to continue that accountability and that moving forward. My gosh, thank you so much for outlining all of that. And I think it's (laughs) really, no, it's really cool because I actually find it really rare that people do that, like really outline what goes on in a session. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's awesome that you just did that because it also feels very direct and to the point and like, okay, like let's work through this, but also we have an end goal. We have things in mind Mm -hmm. that we're trying to work toward, which I Mm -hmm. really, really appreciate. So thank you for outlining all of that. Yeah, of Um, course. And I really want to know, like, okay, so say, say someone starts working with you and there are things that come up where they haven't fully processed trauma or there's like, Mm -hmm. you know, healing that needs to go. I know that a lot of people talk about the differences that, you know, therapy has versus coaching and Mm -hmm. how do you see them working together? Mm -hmm. So in therapy, it's really more focused on the past, on healing trauma, and on the the why of a situation. Um, In coaching, you're more focused on the present and on the future and what steps need to be taken to bridge that gap. Obviously, in coaching sessions, there are things in the past that come up, right? To understand a thought pattern or... um, to explain a certain situation, but when I do feel like there is something that is beyond my capability and beyond my training, I have a a huge pool of incredibly powerful women who I can turn to for support or who can, who I can refer my clients to, Mm -hmm. um, my therapist that I used to work with you know, she's someone who I have available to send my current clients to, or for her to help lead my clients towards a therapist that would be best for them. Um, I know a Reiki practitioner. I know like Steph who does EFT tapping. There's, Mm -hmm. this is not something while it is like a solo practice, I think having this team of people that I know I can turn to um, has been really helpful with a lot of my clients. Yeah. I, I think that's really wonderful that again, you have that community that bleeds into so much of your work. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know we're like nearly at our time. I mean, we went over our time, but, um, I do have one last question that I asked for everyone on this show. We've talked about your therapist. We've talked about Stephanie. We've talked about this and these incredible people in your life. So who in your life, um, would you classify as an ally, um, Mm -hmm. and a female ally in your life? Oh my gosh. So many, um, Definitely my sisters, my two older sisters who have been a guide for me my entire life and who I know I can always turn to. Um, And my high school group of friends, we call ourselves the lady squirrels. (laughs) I love (laughs) that. Don't ask me why, but that's our name. We're the lady squirrels. And like, 
I don't know what I would do without the ladies girls. I mean, we like are in constant contact with each other, always supporting each other. Um, so yeah, my friends, my sisters, powerful women like you who show a different avid, like uh, just a, a, you're constantly amplifying, obviously amplifying women's voices <laughs> and providing a platform for expanders. Um, Thank you. And so, yeah, all of these women. You're awesome. Um, You're awesome. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. And where can people find you if they want to hire you or take one of your classes or just do all the things with you? Yes. So you can find me at www.kittygonzalez. That's K-I-T-T-Y-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z.com or on my Instagram, Kitty Gonzalez underscore coaching. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. And all of that information will be in the show notes for the show. I've had such a lovely time talking Me to you. Me too. Um, Thank you so much, you. We Christina. We got to get together so I could hug you. Um, I am really, really excited to see how this journey evolves and continues to evolve for you. And I really appreciate you sharing so much about your experiences and um, yeah, the, the, the ups and downs and the evolution. I just think it's really, really helpful to hear. And so thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So as I always say, when we close out this show, just remember your voice matters and your story matters. And we will see you on the next episode of Growing Woman. Thanks, everyone. Growing Woman is brought to you by Amplify Her Media. Amplify Her Media is a media company dedicated to amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Follow along for more at AmplifyHerMedia.com or follow along on Instagram at AmplifyHerMedia.